I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. I have Tom Trobage with me, who helped found Hedera Hashgraph. Tom, how are you? Great, David. Uh, great to be here. Um, uh, doing well, thanks. Great. So we're going to have a great chat about uh, the early days of Hedera, and we'll talk about some of the things that Tom is working on now. But what we'd like to do is that I also know that you have a background in traditional finance, where you were at Lombardier Odier and Oday and a few other different places along the way. What we really love to talk about is this point in time in your career where you decided that going into decentralized and distributed systems, i.e. blockchains or digital assets, was really something that you wanted to do. So if you could give us a little bit of a rewind and what specifically resounded with you about this asset, about this technology that led you to help uh, work on Hedera? Listen, um, sure. So my background certainly – has a finance, you know, has a finance orientation without a doubt. But I think what's important to know is my very first job, even um, at Bear Stearns in investment banking, was in the technology and telecom group. And so there, you had to get up to speed on CLEX and DLEX. It was a telecom dereg time. So there was an enormous amount of financing for telecom of satellites, long haul carriers, short haul carriers, et cetera, competitive local exchange, um, everything along those lines. And then the private equity I went into afterwards was also telecom and technology driven. So even though I wasn't a a developer from day one, I was very kind of aware and forced to get up to speed in a variety of different um, technological solutions, if you will. Um, And after leaving um, the private equity firm I was a part of for years, where I did a lot of telecom and tech investing, I kept investing on my own account. And so I started looking at Bitcoin in 2013 and didn't invest in it then, but um, did take a close look at it for, for a couple of different reasons. I remember very clearly getting an email from a friend describing the whole blockchain ecosystem and just being completely overwhelmed and just sort of tabled it at that point because I'm like, I don't even know where to start with this. And then started paying more and more attention. And eventually I found Swirls. Um, I was actually looking at a deal. Someone else showed me they were evaluating Swirls. And I thought that was fascinating, looked at it very closely, invested in Swirls. And Swirls is the company founded by Mance Harmon um, and Lehman Baird that has uh, basically the patents on the Hashgraph consensus algorithm. And so I just sort of followed my traditional path of trying to understand technology and investing in it, came across Swirls, invested in it, and then got to know Mance and Lehman and realized what they were doing was really big, really interesting. I got more and more conviction the more time I spent with them and the more I understood it. And realized that my experience and um, uh, experience network, you know, everything would be very additive to them, and they did as well. And so at that point, you know, Hedera didn't exist. It was just swirls as a white paper, and the technology was was relatively advanced, but not deployed. And 
they asked me to come on board and initially help build out the governing council. And then that just kept expanding to capital and everything else. But you know, the long, the short answer is I found it by way of investment. And I had always been looking for a place to deploy and be more entrepreneurial on an independent company base as opposed to being part of a larger one. So I was really excited to jump at that opportunity. And for those that are learning about digital assets, about distributed and decentralized systems, they have started to understand Bitcoin. That has definitely entered in their lexicon. And we are starting to see an evolution where some people are starting to understand what a smart contract is vis-a-vis Ethereum. If you could, with Hedera Hashgraph, that is a very specific differential. There is a difference in the consensus and the modem that it works in. Tell us a little bit of the differentials between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of the other ones that they might have started to get a little more familiar with. What is Hedera and how is it different? Sure. So I, I think of Bitcoin as a uh, digital store of value. I think it is will exist for a very long time. I think that it will appreciate. I think it is an incredible innovation. Um, and I think it will outlast uh, anyone, um, any of us for sure. Um, and, and that, but Bitcoin's main purpose, I think, is this digital store of value. And part of that is because of its brand recognition. Part of it is the technology's combination. Ethereum as next generation, which is takes the blockchain technology, a proof of work technology of Bitcoin and says, listen, that store of value aspect is great, but let's actually make this network more flexible. Let's, uh, let's figure out how we can have other assets and other um, business functions run on top of this um, technology in a way that we can now um, have decentralized um, uh, business functions that no longer require a central intermediary. And, and the way I sort of describe it with both Bitcoin and others is that if I were to give you were sitting next to each other, David, if I gave you a dollar and um, and you then later claimed I hadn't given it to you, nobody would know. It'd be your word against mine. And so what do we do in this world? We use a credit card, we use a check, we use PayPal, we use a trusted intermediary that says, no, 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 Tom, you did give David that dollar and here's, you have, you know what happened. And instead, what Bitcoin does in Ethereum as well, it says, instead of just trusting, instead of having that third party, everybody witnesses it. They don't know it's you, they don't know it's me, but they witness this transaction and that is what makes it happen. And in order to have that transaction not happen, you'd have to have more than half the people that witnessed it claim not to witness it, which is highly unlikely and difficult to do. And so that's a real innovation is getting basically the crowd in the world to witness transactions anonymously that verifies them. And Ethereum just takes that technology and applies it to businesses and business processes. The problem is that blockchain, proof of work blockchain is designed to be very slow and it works incredibly well and is very secure, but it's slow. And so once you start thinking about businesses and stuff and things you want to put on like payments, you are really held up by this slow property of blockchain. And so Hedera is actually a distributed ledger. It's not blockchain, but it functions and works differently such that it is not constrained to be nearly as slow as um, Ethereum or name, name your blockchain. Mm-hmm. And so while Ethereum can do you know, 15, 30 transactions a second, 
Hedera, you know, right now is, is throttled to 10,000 a second and easily gets to 100. We've tested it well beyond 100,000. So it is a vastly faster um, way of achieving the same goal that also is dramatically cheaper. While an Ethereum transaction can cost anywhere from, depending on the day, you know, from 10 cents to 5 cents, whatever it is, a Hedera transaction is one one hundredth of a penny. Right. And so I don't know if that, that may that sort of opens up new yeah. use cases, but I don't know if that was too too detailed or not detailed <laughs> enough. No, I, I think it's good. From my understanding of graphs is with Bitcoin blockchain and with Ethereum with proof of work that you have it's linear. So it's imagine you have an, a, a line graph and through one through ten and Every single block has to go one to two, two to three, three to four, four to five, five to six, six to seven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you mentioned the slowness of it. So those that are in the Bitcoin and Ethereum camp will say that those are features and not bugs. But from my understanding, and I would love for you to kind of opine about this, Graph, especially Hedera, doesn't say that you have to go to one to two per se. It says that you can go one to three or one to four or four to five and six to seven. It doesn't necessarily have to go on this linear journey. Uh, can you correct me if that's right or wrong? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I would, I think that's not, that's broadly right, but I would characterize it slightly differently, which is that with proof of work blockchain, you all the blocks, um, all, all the miners effectively have to come to consensus about what the next block is. And so that's why there is this, whether it's a 10 minute or whatever the particular delay is, which is built into the algorithm, particularly for Bitcoin, but also for Ethereum, in order to make there be sufficient time to come to agreement about, to your point, what the next block is in this linear system. And with Hedera, there is no delay built in. It is a directed acyclic graph, as you as you referenced, and transactions happen with no every node talking to other nodes simultaneously so you're right it is not um it is much more it's not 100 percent parallel but it's far more parallel than a proof of work blockchain and so nodes are all communicating with each other and the innovation this gets a little technical is that they communicate transactions but they also communicate about what the last node they talk to knows so what ends up happening is each node builds a picture of all the other nodes and what they know. And when a node is aware that two thirds see, have seen a transaction, it's added. So each right. node comes to consensus independently. And that's kind of a, that's a really dramatic innovation because it allows nodes to come to consensus completely independently of each other, which, which basically the point of that, the benefit of that is it, renders a whole manner of attack vectors irrelevant. And that adds that that leads to a, a property called asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance, which is effectively the highest level of security you can have. And that asynchronousness piece means the nodes can come to consensus independently. These are all things that I hope people will continue to research and understand. It takes you know a while to get comfortable with it, but it can happen, and you see, Tom, it came from a traditional finance world, and he understands these terminologies and understands what is happening here. So it's not impossible, but I want to jump into governance. And so the idea of getting a distributed network working together 
collaboratively and working at the same time harmoniously is not always easy. And we've seen that in distributed decentralized systems that are proof of stake, especially that are running into those issues. And so you have projects like Aragon that are out there that are working on governance protocols. But with Hedera, there is a governing council. And so the governing council consists of up to 39 term-limited and highly diversified organizations and enterprises, reflecting up to 11 unique industries, academia, and nonprofits globally. So tell us about how governance is so important in Hedera. Yeah, and I think this is this is uh, appreciated the, the, the question. I think uh, it's it's a, a not an area which people haven't focused on as much yet. I mean, Aragon is obviously a terrific example of of real focus on it, but in general, governance has kind of always has been historically intertwined with consensus, and haven't hasn't been independently looked at. And so, what when when we're talking about governance, when Hedera is talking about governance. It's saying, okay, there's consensus and that happens. And that's a technical term, which I sort of just went into in terms of how the hash graph consensus algorithm works. That's one thing. That's fine. Um, and that's what proof of work is. The proof of work has its own mechanism for coming to consensus. But governance is about who sets the technical product roadmap? Who is coming up with the, the next features? Who is prioritizing bug fixes? Who is maybe changing the protocol as it's happening with Ethereum. Like, how do those decisions get made? Who makes those decisions? And that's a very difficult question to answer in decentralized protocols, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum, really those are driven by the community. But you have to dig a little bit deeper and start to figure out, okay, who is the community? Who's actually the people doing this? And that is what governance is, is it what Hedera attempted to do is say, okay, let's formalize this governance process and make it as trusted as we can. And so Hedera um, went down the path of, and, and we, we built a governing council, as you mentioned, of blue chip, you know, for Fortune 100 institutions with, um, and the recently added a university to it. But the, um, the concept is that for governance to be really trusted, you should have more than money at stake. You should have a reputation at stake. And so the concept was have large companies who aren't in this for the money. They're not paid to be part of the DARA Governing Council. They're in it because they want to help set the um, processes and set the policies for technology that we expect them to use long after they're on the council. And we also think that their reputations are important to them um, and they don't want to tarnish it by doing something, um, you know, counter or negative towards the network or certainly negative toward, towards economics of the network. And so the insight was to say, let's bring real world institutions that have highly valuable reputations. And if we can get them to join this council, they can be trusted more than, a, than, other, than other parties. But the key element here also is that if you were building a network that was designed for, say, I don't know, gaming. Maybe you want gaming people to govern it. Hedera is an enterprise-grade ledger designed for enterprises. So for us, it made sense to have enterprises govern it because we felt enterprises would use it. And there's a real simplicity about having it governed by the same group that you expect to be its most um, uh, you know, serious users. And so let's jump into why this is needed. So 
for over the last year and a half and while I've been doing this show, we've talked about kind of when the institutions will come, when obviously use cases will start to evolve, and we'll talk about the use cases of Hedera soon. But as it relates to why this is needed, so the majority of of corporations out there who are or have been dabbling with distributed and decentralized systems have predominantly looked at either Hedera or Ethereum. And with Ethereum, the application of smart contracts has been something that has always been very attractive to them. However, privacy is always an issue. And then you see layer two solutions like Keep and others out there that have started to evolve on Ethereum to try to create sequestrations of data. So certain pieces of that corporate data might not be visible uh, to the masses out there. Um, and then you also have other adaptations of zero-knowledge proofs, et cetera, et cetera. And so why do corporations, and we'll talk about some of the use cases there, but why have corporations and enterprises been using Hedera, um, and why is it really needed? So that's that's um, foundational. So when we first um, first started this whole um, you know journey um, with, with, with Hedera, um, we knew corporations cared about privacy, but we also felt that um, that those those there would be solutions would be developed for. It. We're seeing some solutions, as you mentioned, in, in base in base layers from you know zero knowledge proofs. The problem is, as you're very aware, those are very very expensive in terms of computation, et cetera. So I'm not sure how workable they're going to be for many um, solutions um, for many enterprises. But the and, and the problem with layer two solutions is they introduce other security vulnerabilities. And so you probably see, I, I'm not, I don't know if, if the, the extent Keep has experienced them, I'm guessing no, but I'm sure you've seen all the, the challenges and, 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 and flaws found in the Lightning Network, which is the most kind of longest deployed um, layer two solution. What Hedera's solution is interesting, which is basically a consensus service where a company can keep its um, smart contract language internal on its private network but it can take each transaction and just ping the network with the transaction. The public network puts those transactions in order. So you basically have the security of the public network ordering without the data of those transactions going over or being exposed to the public network. And that's called Hedera Consensus Service. It basically performs the function of a public ledger while keeping everything private on the network. And so there's a Hyperledger plugin um, um, to make this even more real, which shows that, you know, obviously one of the leading um, private ledger deployments or implementations, Hyperledger, has HCS as a consensus service that you can use with Hyperledger if you want to get the security of a public ledger ordering. And so let's jump into use cases. So I've seen that there's been a multitude. You mentioned gaming. Gaming has been a part of that. There's also been a lot of agriculture uh, that has started to use this. Uh, obviously, the technology space has been obviously using this as well too. Retail. Um, talk to us about financial services. Talk to us about some of the use cases that have been really popular thus far uh, using Hedera. Well, one, one the sort of largest one so far is a company called AdStacks, which is basically validating clicks 
online using Hedera. And there's a great deal of click fraud in kind of the online advertising space. And so each click in AdStacks is validated on Hedera. So that is, it, it can prove to advertisers these clicks actually happened. And so that's an enormous user of, of, um, of the technology. And if you think about, just step back for a second, what's Hedera work for? So it's very fast, very cheap transactions. And so that opens up a level of use case that isn't possible on other on most other ledgers. And so give you an example of that besides that, the AdDex one, which is a recently announced um, uh, in, uh, win for Hedera, which is a company called the Coupon Bureau, which basically is a consortium that issues and redeems the 300 and for most of the 350 billion coupons that are issued each year in the United States. And there's about, they estimate as much as six, as much as $600 million of coupon fraud every year in the U S. And so what the coupon bureau is doing is, is putting its coupons on Hedera. And that's just enormous. And I don't know, you know, the use of coupons is a small percentage of that number, obviously. I think all coupons, though, will be put on the ledger to tr- in order to track them. So if you think about 350 billion coupons being put on, and now it doesn't all happen at once, it's rolled in, et cetera. But that is a level of volume that couldn't be contemplated really before Hedera launched. And there's other, there are obviously other high throughput um, uh, DLTs out there. I don't think any are quite as advanced as there, but you, you may know, know, tell me if I'm wrong, but that's thousands and thousands of transactions per second in one application. And so that's a very tangible thing that I think people can recognize. Um, and to give you a sense, you know, that will result in that 300 billion number, that's about $30 million, at, even at a hundredth of a penny, that's still 30 million a year, but that seems a small price to pay if you're saving 600 million in fraud. So that I just th- hope to give some indication of the scale of the type of applications which are out there. Fascinating. That's I did not know that. Um, I, I think the last thing that we I'd like to kind of hit on is that from an outsider's perspective, in the growth of Hedera relative to the entire digital asset space. Do you think that there could be things uh, improved upon or actually in thinking about the future roadmap, what I really like to do is give people a little bit of a perspective about what certain things might be on the lookout for the future. So anything over the years that you spent there helping kind of build this ship, anything that could have uh, obviously, you know, maybe been improved upon from your perspective and anything, you know, in the future that people like us, the investors out there should be looking for. Well, sure. Listen, I left I left Tadera over a year ago, and I think it was you know it is um, was terrifically fun building it. We did a lot of hard work, and I think it's been you know everything continues to execute on path, which is which is terrific to see. I think um, one challenge I think that we faced at Hedera is that none of us came from within the crypto community. Manson Lehman or X Air Force. Um, and that may be an opportunity as well, but, you know, obviously X Air Force and, um, you know, had, had some and worked at other sort of a couple of other small companies. I had more of a technology but finance background. You know, you go through, you know, Natalie General Counsel was at some technology, but obviously more on, on the legal side. You know, none, none of the, say, top five, 10 people had any crypto experience. And that, I think, was a problem from 
community perspective, and we could have done better by um, being more integrated. Hedera built its own community, which is great and is, is huge, but I think that we could have been more integrated to the traditional community from the beginning. That would have made things easier, I think. Um, that's, that's one thing, and that ties into the next point, which is Hedera is a little bit of a hybrid because it's a very institutionally focused uh, distributed ledger in a world where um, most of the people who are in the space are not interested in institutions and are far more interested in, in kind of building a whole new world. And so Hedera is solving problems for real companies at scale, but a lot of the, the universe here doesn't in, in this space doesn't really care or appreciate that. And I actually even spoke to somebody at lunch who's a, a European investor. He's like, yeah, Hedera is a good niche, it's institutions. And I'm like, okay, in what world is institutions a niche? You know, that's like, <laughs> that is the biggest niche out there. So right. it is, it, it's kind of amusing that that's how the world, the, the, the world that's really been in this for a long time sort of sees Hedera as a niche play. And yet it's the most expansive opportunity given what it can do. And so that is, is a challenge to, I think, articulate that and, and see that people in the space care about it. That is really, really fascinating. And so what I always like to do is while we wrap up, if people want to learn more about Hedera, and I'm sure you have places where they can go, tell them where they can go. Yeah, I mean, go to Hedera.com is, um, is I think, the best place. There's also, there's a, you know, active group in Telegram as well. Um, and you can, um, you can find me on, on, I've written a bunch on Substack at Tom Tro. Um, my Twitter is de decentralized, um, and you can go to tomtro.com to find more about me, but hedera.com is, I think by far the best, most complete way to find, uh, find awesome. a lot about what's happening there. So this was Tom Trowbridge learning and giving us all the insight about Hedera, a project we haven't talked about before on the show. Tom, thank you for coming on. Hopefully we can catch up with you again in a few months, hear what you're up to in your adventures through this uh, new asset class, and we'll be talking to you soon. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.